Here we are. How you guys doing? Good. Um, I'm going to move this stuff a little bit. Actually, I don't think I really need a table today or a stand. Where did I put my notes though? Okay, I think I will need those. We've been, so our theme this summer has been Now Matters Later. And the idea of this is that this is a pretty unique time we're living through. 2020, right? It just keeps getting more, getting more and more weird, more and more different, more and more just like, what is going on? This is a year like no other. And it's a difficult year. A lot of difficult stuff. But if you look through history, the best things generally come out of the most difficult seasons. If you look at the prosperity of America in the, that came in the latter half of the 20th century, that was after World War II and the Depression. And time after time, I mean, as, as believers, we see that Jesus had to die, had to go through death in order to come into resurrection. And that's especially, that's how God works. He takes us into death in order to bring us into a greater way of living. But it's, so death is, you know, nobody likes death. Reagan talked last week about light and momentary affliction. It doesn't feel so light and momentary, but God uses it to bring a greater weight of glory in our lives. And so we're looking at, man, how, what is God wanting to do in us, in the world, during this tough season, so that this now will really matter, both now and later. And as we were kind of mapping out what the topics we want to talk about, one idea just stood out to me this summer. The last few weeks, we've been kind of going off the cuff. We've changed our script a little bit because just so much has been going, been going on in our culture that we really wanted to address. But one thing that hit me is that if we want our now to matter later, it's not just a matter of what kind of life am I going to live, but it's how is my life going to pass something on to other people? Because none of us are going to live very long. Sorry to break it to you, but I, our lives are pretty quick, pretty, pretty fleeting, really. But yeah, God has made us as his image bearers, and one of the ways that we are a part of really seeing something significant through our life is taking what we receive from him, and oftentimes through others, and then passing that on to other people. And so the theme today is that join, it's one of our core values here at Bluemont, Join generations go farther. Join generations go farther. You and I, any one of us can only go so far with our life, but God's plan is that we connect to generations before us who have gained something in their life and from God, and we, we learn things not the stupid way, like having to learn everything by ourselves, but we can learn lessons from people who've gone before us, and they can pass that on to us, and then we can pass that on to others. And so joint generations go farther. When I was 14, the summer before I started high school, my parents were kind of tired of me, I think, and they sent me off to my grandparents' farm in Indiana to work for the summer on the farm with my grandfather and my uncle on his farm. And I look back on that summer that I had, especially with my grandfather, Carl Martin, who has now passed away, and I am so grateful for the transfer of the wisdom and the grace of God that was in his life that came to me 
through those two, three months of, of living there and working with him and having conversations. There was just a lot of just good stuff. You know, it was, it was good to the fact that he, I learned pretty early on, he showed me that in one of his barns, he had a jug, he had a fridge with a jug of root beer. And man, when it got hot on a hot day, that was a place he found a reason to go by the barn and just like drink from the bottle, right? From the gallon jug right there, some root beer. Or the fact that whenever he went by a certain small town, there was a knockoff Dairy Queen, a local Dairy Queen, and he never passed like an ice cream place without stopping and getting an ice cream going. Like, that was good stuff. Like, man, there was some grace of God generational transfer being passed on in my life <laughs> right there. But I just, I remember that the thing is so many things that have stuck with me. I remember he, he would, he had just so much wisdom. He told me one time, Jonathan, you know, if you hire one boy like you, and, he, and guess what I got paid? $3 an hour. <laughs> Three bucks an hour for really some of the toughest work of my life. And actually the first two weeks I don't think I even got paid because nobody told me I was supposed to keep track of my own hours. So I was working like 60 hours a week probably and like then I found out, oh, you're supposed to keep track of those hours. But anyway, he said if you hire one boy, you get one boy's work. If you hire two boys, you get half a boy's work. Now that's, that's kind of how boys work, right? If you hire three boys, you get no boys' work. It's like, you know, that's, there's a lot of truth right there. But there was just so, one of the things I remember, my grandfather was very, he knew everybody in that, in that area. And he couldn't drive down the road without seeing another farmer friend or somebody he knew driving by in his pickup. And they would stop in the middle of the road and just talk to each other for 10 minutes through their window. Or get out and have a conversation. And he was just one of the most relational people I've ever been around. And I saw just the value of that, the value of, he was a very hard worker, worked my tail off all summer, but there was the value that it's really about people. And I'm gonna stop what I'm doing to, to connect with a person and love on somebody. And because of that, the impact of his life was, was really, really amazing. It was amazing his funeral. He, my, he and my grandmother drove school buses also for, I forget, like 40 years or something, something crazy. Probably way too long they beyond they should have because my grandfather had basically went blind at one point. And he was driving his truck down these roads into town and he couldn't even see you across the room or across, you know, eight feet away. And I was like, how can you drive? But anyway, he, there were kids that their lives were hugely impacted because my grandfather, my grandmother invested in them on the bus trips. And the number of them, they led to Christ and their lives were forever changed. So joint generations go farther. In Proverbs 20, 29, we read that the, we're told that the glory of young men is their strength. The honor or splendor of old men is their gray hair. There's something just God has designed for different generations to have things of value that, are, that we all need. And it's easy, you know, the devil, the devil is always about bringing division. He's always, he's about dividing between black and white, between poor and rich, between red states and blue states, and he's always dividing between generations. But God's design is that there's a wisdom that an older generation carries. And there's a strength that a younger generation carries. And if those things can come together, man, that's exciting. When we can bring together the strength of the younger generation and the wisdom of an older generation. Um, and this is not just like 
this can be a natural thing, but God's point is that it's not just a natural thing, but it's a divine thing. There's, we receive the grace of God from believers who are a different place in life from us as we're connected with them. The, it's interesting, the very last verse of the Old Testament speaks about this reality. It's in the, the prophet Malachi. In Malachi chapter 4, he writes, last chapter of the Old Testament, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And so we know, we figure out later that the Elijah the prophet, really the manifestation of that was John the Baptist, who came before Jesus, the Messiah came. And so the great and awesome day of the Lord, speaking of here, is the day when, the season when Jesus showed up on the earth and brought his kingdom and his power. Um, into the world. And it says this, it says, He will turn the hearts of their children, the hearts of the fathers to their children, and the hearts of children to their fathers. The Messiah would do something by the grace of God, as, as our hearts are changed, one of the things that happens is that the hearts of fathers are turned to their kids like never before and the hearts of children to their fathers. Lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. So this is what we're talking about today. It's not just like, hey, this is good wisdom. It is that. But it's something really the way that God's grace works in our life. To draw our hearts to, to fathers and to, to children and to connect generations. And it's interesting, the next line, it says, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. And when the generations are broken asunder, that is a destructive thing that comes into the world. You can you see that in, in different things in, in, in history. Um, you see that in the, the movement of the, of the 60s. That really, there was a generational divide that really ripped into the heart, into the heart of our fabric of our country. We see that with, um, with abortion. There's, there's a breaking apart of generations, that is a, a place of a curse of destruction that we come into. And I was, our family, a week ago, last Sunday night, we watched uh, Hamilton, the musical. And I thoroughly enjoyed that. I don't know how many of you have seen that or how many of you like it, you saw it, but I, I really got a lot out of that. I really enjoyed it. Um, it starts off, Alexander's a young man, he's 19, and he is full of vim and vigor. He has a passion to, to make his life count. And the first psalm is all about, I'm not going to throw away my shot. I've got, I've got all this energy, this passion. Man, I have this strength. I'm young, and I want my life to count. I'm not going to throw away my shot, and I'm going to do whatever I can. And you see this, this ambition and this drive that is, that is driving him his whole life and in a pretty unique way. And he knows there's some aspect of the calling of God or the way he was made by God in that. And there's a whole lot of just pride and selfish ambition that is in that process too. Um, but basically, like nothing derails him from his single-minded, like selfish ambition, basically, his whole life. He's like, you see these good things, but you're like, man, that dude's like got some serious issues in his heart. But later on, when he has his son is 19, and his son Philip dies in a duel. That breaks Alexander Hamilton. 
And I just, I appreciate, I don't know how much is true to life, but in the, in the musical, you see, like, he, he starts going to church. He starts praying. He starts gardening. He says, for the first time in my life, I think someone else saying that about him, he's, he's praying. He's seen his need for God. But you see that it was the, the devastation of realizing, man, no matter what I accomplish with my life, if, man, my son is dying, I can't pass that on to him. And so, man, what's the point of all this? What's the point of everything I accomplish if I'm not passing that on to something else, to someone else? And really, that's me and for our now that matter later. It comes down to that. It's not just what do we do with our life, but who are we passing something on to in, in, with others and in other generations? Um, so, you know, really, there are kind of two main ways that I see this happening. Two main ways that join generations go farther. The first one is just kind of the, the obvious, but very important aspect of families. And God's design from the very beginning, he made the first man and the first woman. He said, be a family and be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and rule over it and bring my goodness into the world. So there's this, God's basic building block is, is people coming together and, and building families. And um, I remember when I was in college back in the 90s, there was really this, this redefinition of the families that took place in our society. And it was, some of it was motivated by, I think, good desires. It was the realization that, hey, not all families look like the traditional family. It's not all leave it to beaver. And so we need to realize there are single moms, there are extended families, there are communities helping one another out. And man, that's, that's really important. But somehow in the middle of that, the realization that, you know, having a mom and a dad and kids, like that really is the best situation for, for kids to grow up in. And like, yes, we need more than that. And yes, like the reality is we, we all, you know, every, every, every family's flawed and we need to come alongside. But the best thing, the greatest indicator, one of the greatest causes of poverty is not having that scientifically. You know, just you look at this, all the studies show like, man, that is one of the greatest things that helps young people flourish. Um, we see this in Psalm 127. We're told that children, behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior, in the hand of a warrior, are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Now, children are a good thing. Families are a good thing. It's most of us, not everybody, but some of us are called to serve God as, as singles. But for the majority of people, God's design is to to, to marry and build families and to pass something on to natural children as a primary way of God bringing his goodness into the world. I, I love earlier this past week, um, Jenny McDonald posted something on Facebook and it was, there she is, yeah. I said, can I share this? Because this is just so perfect. Um, she said, sure. So some of you may have seen this, but she wrote this. She said, a year ago today, I became a real life mom. It's been the hardest, yet the most beautiful thing in my life. I have seen God as a father more in this season of life than I ever have, and now I know what sacrificial love is. Mariana and Elise, I love being your mom. I'm excited to get to know you more and discover your passions, your callings, your dreams. I'm blessed to live life with you today. 
and every day. And I read that, I was like, oh man, that's just that's so cool because something happens when you become a mom or dad. It's just like you, there's an element of giving your life to someone else that most of us haven't really done anything in the same way until we experience that. And like she said, it's like, man, this is the hardest thing I've ever done. I've been sleep deprived a lot. I've had to give up my desires and my schedule and what I would want to do with my time. And I've, my energy, I don't have any energy. There's just like, man, this has just been tough. But it's, but out of that giving, like that's, that's some of the best thing. And I've experienced more of God's heart through that. And that's, that's really God's heart. Um, yeah, I was reading recently about a ministry in Inglewood, California, in LA, in, in the rough part of LA. And people ministry to people that don't have that kind of family. And speaking about just the, the violence and the murder rate and all of that. And one of the people in this ministry made the point that, was basically making the point that those are the factors that make the hugest difference. He said, you know, a lot of the people I'm working with, we're working with, they have one parent or two parents in gangs. And there's just, that, that is the natural path that people are going to go on unless there's some other influential relationship. And nothing is going to be more like, like a family. They, they said that um, the normal, like, normal people, 17-year-olds, have never been to a wedding before. Because people have never seen a wedding. They've, marriages just aren't happening. And so in that environment with a lack of families, the natural result is, is this destruction. Because families are God's heart and the connection of generations in that way. But, um, you know, much of, it's, it's important to say because much of family life just seems unimportant. It seems mundane. It's very sacrificial. It's like, is this really mad? This is just living. But it's those kinds of relationships that really make a difference. And so God's plan is families and then intentional mentoring relationships. And so we, some of us, we have different Different uh, degrees of of what we get from our natural families, but the church is a family, and God's design is that we can receive things from others and give things to others in an even greater way through intentional mentoring relationships with one another in God's family. We see this in you know, Jesus. Jesus never had a natural family. But he basically built a family of his 12 and, and others who he poured his life into as a family and passed on what he had from his father. He passed on to them so that then they could do the same and do the same. And that was a pattern that the Apostle Paul wrote about in 2 Timothy 2.2. And he said that, um, speaking to his spiritual son, Timothy, he said, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that's in Christ Jesus. And what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust of faithful men will be able to teach others also. This is the, the pattern. What you've heard from me, find faithful people who you can pour your life into, invest in them, so that then they can pass that on to others as well. And so just like families are intended to pass things on one generation to another so that each generation can stand on the shoulders of the generation before it. God's design is for his people to, to live that kind of way. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to learn from people who are a little farther ahead of me. I'm going to be around them. 
learn from them, and then pass it on to someone else. And we see this all throughout Scripture. There's just this pattern. In, in Titus chapter 2, it, it describes this process a little more. It says, older men, we see generations here, to be temperate, dignified, sensible, sound in faith, in love, and perseverance. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, nor enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good so that they may encourage or train the young women. Likewise, urge the young men to be sensible. In all things, show yourself to be an example of good deeds. So we see the, the generations here. In the church, you have older women, older men, younger women, younger men, learning from each other, receiving something, having it passed on. And I'm so thankful in my own life. Like This is what has made such a huge difference. I, I've talked about this, this a lot, but it, especially in my college years, I had a number of of people who invested in my life, I'm so thankful for. And but it went to a new level when I was in college. And my friend John McDermott, just he was 11 years older than me, just took a liking to me and started showing up at my dorm and inviting me over to his house and inviting me to go running with him and whatever else he was doing. And I, after a while, I realized, you know, this I am getting so much through this relationship. And. It got to the point where I, I realized if I'm, I had a lot going on. I was, I was on the track team. I, had, I was in the honors program, had a full load. But I realized, man, when there's an opportunity to hang out with John and, and his family, what I, that is a divine relationship. And there is something I'm receiving. It's not just from him, but there is stuff from God through him that is coming into my life. And I made a point to, to find every opportunity I could and to drop stuff in order to receive from that relationship. And my life has been changed in huge ways because of that and, and other relationships too. And so intentional mentoring relationships, God wants us to receive those kind of relationships and then to give at the same time. Um, or as we've as we received, as Paul said, to pass that on to others. All right, so what do we do with all this? Uh, I just want to bring it home with, with kind of four takeaways for us to make the generational connection. Um, number one, value older generations. Value older generations. I would uh, hear some people saying amen, but nobody wants to admit they're an older generation. So, but yeah, like there's, there's something in our culture that kind of, doesn't value older generations. And we're, we're even unaware of people that are older, that are maybe, especially in a college town, and it's not even, you know, oftentimes realizing that, that one thing, one aspect of the whole COVID deal that I appreciate, and I don't even, I, this is not a political statement, I don't even know what I think about most of that, but I appreciate the sense that there's been a, a realization that, man, this affects the most elderly, the most, there's some of the most at risk. And so we need to treat this seriously in order to care for those folks. <laughs> Eric Wisdom is not in that category. We're needing that kind of treatment. But yes, but there's, so, but there is a, a, that, to the degree that that's been a motivation in people's hearts, man, I'm, I'm appreciative of that. And so I think it's important, a good question for us to ask is where do I not value older generations? Where do I have attitudes that keep me from? Second takeaway is value younger generations. 
man, there's sometimes our culture idolizes youth, but also, man, young people are a pain in the butt. I mean, they're, you know, we got, we like to talk about our puppies for the last eight months, and they're a pain in the butt. You know, they're like undisciplined and crazy out of control and not listening and difficult, making messes all the time. And um, it's, it's important that, that we value, you know, that's a lot of reason people, people don't have as many children now as they have in the past is because children are expensive. Children are an inconvenience. They take a lot of time. They take away from my, my path, my path that I would choose by myself. And so there's, man, there's a, that, that realization of the value of the next generation is often lost. And we see this even in the church, that there's a, a grain of the church in, in America. And a lot of that is because we haven't done a good job of saying, you know what, we need to adjust what we're doing to value the next generation. And so how that plays out here is we always, it's not that young people are more valuable than old people, that everybody matters. We, we need all of us together. But passing the baton is so important that, and usually, in a relay race, a lot of times the best team will not win because the baton pass doesn't go well. And so we really want to emphasize making sure that we connect and pass things on to the next generation. And so that may mean you may be like, man, I'm, I'm 20. We always want to be thinking about who's the next generation. Like our whole life, like there is someone who's just a little bit not quite as far along as you. Like that's the next generation. And it's continuing to pass the baton. And so except in our church, we're always gonna like lean towards things we want to, style-wise, that are like, that are appealing to the next generation because we expect the older generation to be more mature and to be willing to sacrifice our likes. And so you may be like 21, you're like, that's awesome. But when you're 25, you may be like, wait, I don't like this new way we're doing stuff. It's like, hey, are you gonna be willing to do with that? Because we wanna value the next generation. Okay, uh, three, serve and learn from older generations. Serve and learn from older generations. I feel that when we talk about this topic, most people are always respond with agreement. Like, yeah, I like, man, we need to join generations. Where it sometimes breaks down is actually finding people that have something to impart to us and positioning ourselves in such a way that we can receive from them. And not waiting for them to come to us, but coming to them. It's kind of like we watched Jurassic Park on TV a little bit ago, the original one, I hadn't seen it forever. And one of the main scientists in that movie, what's his name, um, Alan, Dr. Alan Grant, I think, like he doesn't really like kids. And, but there are these two kids in Jurassic Park. The, and so that's kind of how we need to be. Like, okay, I'm gonna be obnoxious. I'm gonna like find a way, but don't be obnoxious about it. Find a way to serve and bring our lives to people. Because people who, are, who are, have something for us to give, they probably have a lot going on in their life. And instead of expecting them to drop what they're doing and come to you, find out how can I serve them and get in their life and join the rhythm of their life. In, in 2 Kings, there's a, there's a story, and they're looking for a prophet, they're looking for a man of God. 
And the king says, hey, is there anybody here? In 2 Kings 3.11, an officer of the king of Israel answered, Elisha, son of Shaphat, is here. He used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. So Elisha was the mighty prophet that everybody knew of. He went around doing, did I say it right? Elijah was the mighty prophet. He did mighty miracles and spoke for God and was known as a prophet. And then he picked Elisha as his disciple. And Elisha left what he was doing and began traveling and living with Elijah. And at the end of the story, there are actually twice as many, he asked for a double portion of Elijah's anointing. And at the end of the story, there are actually twice as many miracles that Elisha did than his spiritual father, Elijah, had done. And he, he was a mighty prophet, a mighty man of God. But the description here is he used to pour water on Elijah's hands. And the context was in that culture, you know, you get dusty and dirty, and the servants would, would pour water on your hands and your feet and, and help clean, clean you off. And so this, this model of apprenticeship and discipleship was a very, the disciple taking the place of, hey, I'm going to do whatever I can to, to serve. And because I'm realizing that what I'm getting from this relationship is so valuable that I, I, I value you and I want to learn from you. And so don't take this too far. Like, I'm, I'm not asking, you know, just the spirit of it. Please don't pour water on my hands or anything. Like, it's, and don't ask anybody to mow your lawn or do anything. You know, it's not like that. But it's finding ways that you can be, make your life a benefit to people. If you want someone to mentor you, maybe say, hey, do you have, like, is there a way I can, are you doing chores at your house? Can I come, like, help while you're doing that? And can we talk? And I just want to be, you know, can I have a way to be part of your life? And I value that I want to learn from you. And, and that's, that's how it works. All right, so sort of learn from older generations. And then the last one I want to hit on is invest in the next generation. Invest in the next generation. There's no greater place that we can invest our life than the next generation. Finding people that are coming after us and we see the calling of God in their life. And they may not look very developed, but finding ways to lay down our life, and give up our time and our energy and what God's given to us and invest in the next generation. And that is, that means that most of the time, you know, I, I, all my whole like rant about, hey, like be obnoxious, like get in somebody's grill who you want to mentor you, that's good. But on the other end, don't wait for people to do that to you. Be the person that's like, I'm gonna be okay with making 10 texts for every one response. Like, I'm, gonna be, I'm not gonna be counting like how responsive are people. I'm just gonna be reaching out and finding someone to invest my life in and doing what I can to love on them. And there's no greater place we can invest our life. And there's nothing more fulfilling. And it's, it's, it's oftentimes not feeling that way. It's not in the short term that way, but God will honor that and make and people's lives will be impacted in a powerful way. The Apostle John, the end of his life, he said in the third, the third epistle he wrote, verse 14, he said, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. 
Here he is right at the end of his life. He says, man, there's nothing that gives me greater joy than to see the people that I have poured my life into, given what I got from the Lord, given it to them. And now I'm seeing, that, man, a good number of them, they're walking in the truth. They're getting this. And I, I concur with that. I mean, I, there's something so joyous about places where I've been able to give my life to others and to, to see people walking in the truth. And oh man, yeah, that's I had a little bit I had a little bit of a part in their life. But I mean they're so far beyond me now, but they're it's in them. It's it's in them and they're they're loving Jesus. They're following him. And there's nothing that gives me greater joy than that. And so if we want our lives to, to matter, at the end of the day it's not going to be our accomplishments or our accolades or our bank account, any of that. It's joining our life to other generations and passing on what God has to them. Where are we at? Uh, why don't you take a couple minutes, take a few minutes at your table, and let's just talk about this. Uh, these three questions. What am I hearing? Let's talk about this with one another at your table. What am I hearing? What will I do with this? And is there anything I would like prayer for? All right. Uh, I feel like before I do that, just real quick, is there any like question that anybody has about this? All right, good. Well, let's take about no more than 10 minutes, seven to 10 minutes, and just talk about this at your table. And then if you want, if you want to pray for one another, in that time, we'll go ahead and do that too. And then we'll come up and sit this out. Last thing I'll ask is just sealing, sealing what God's doing in this area in our lives. So let's pray with all. Okay, no pressure. Ah, <laughs> uh, thanks, Jonathan, for that opportunity. Um, so let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this everything you do for us. Um, we thank you for all the generations that are here today and um, all the generations that we have in our life. We pray that, um, that we'll just take this message and have it uh, really sink deep into our hearts so that we can really make a difference in this. Um, it's, we don't want it to be something that we hear and forget. Father, we, we ask that you will really put this in our hearts so that we can love those that are uh, younger than us. Uh, those that are older and really look at life through their eyes um, just love on them understand that we're all in different places but we all need each other so just come it's going to have to be from you because if we rely on our own strength we're going to we're going to forget this so we ask for your supernatural power to have this be a life-changing thing where we're really going to remember and it's going to have um, lasting results on our on our family and our community and our world. So be with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Thanks, Tom. Well, I kind of hate to break up the conversations, but you don't need to break up. You can stay there as long as you want. Keep on talking. But we're going to head on out. If this is your first time here, if you're new, then there is a connection card on the bottom of your handout. And we would love to get to know you, and we have a gift for you. So go ahead and fill that out.
and just drop it off at our connection or our welcome center out in the lobby and we've got a cool gift for you and we'd love to come alongside and just help you in this process like we talked about today so other than that oh we do have a chance to give our offering too so if you want to give on your way out there's a bucket in the back you can give cash or check or you can text to give or give online at Church as well uh, but thank you for all of you who are giving to the kingdom of God and God is using that so let's have an outstanding week. Join Generations Go Farther. Next Sunday, our friend Rich Lorenzo is going to be here. Some of you know him, the, the president of Called Greatness. Uh, he's going to be coming in and just giving us an exciting update and message. So you definitely won't want to be here for that. But sign up for Summit and have a great week.